0: Hey, praise God! How are you doing, Kings Church? You're good. I oh, praise the Lord for that. Hey, Father, we thank you for your Word this morning. We thank you for your the thoughts that you've placed on my heart, that they would be thoughts that bring life and future. Lord, thank you for Pastor David and Fay, Lord, and uh, their family. Thank you for the plans you have for this church. But a great plans. Thank you, Father, that there's an army rising up. But Father, the spirit, Lord of Josiah, is on the house, Lord God. That that pull down every idol way of thinking, that sold out for you way of thinking. Father, thank you for the things you've got ahead. Oceans parting in front of these people. Lord, favor of heaven upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, praise God. It's so good to be with you. It's always a joy. I was with your pastor last night and uh, I was sharing. It never feels like I'm coming to speak somewhere. It always feels like I'm just uh, spending a day with some family. And uh, I love that and uh, so thankful for you guys and for all that's happening. Today, I want to talk about a subject that has been spoken about in church for many years. But it's one of those subjects that we need to keep talking about because it affects so much in the life of a person and I want to talk a little bit today on the subject of your thought life and what you're thinking. And again, I've been around Christianity for over 30 years now. I've done Battlefield of the Mind. I've gone through different courses. I've sat in different conferences and heard people speak about the power of your thought life. But I just appeal to you today, don't shut off if you've heard some of this stuff before. Because I guarantee you've forgotten it at different times. And I just sense the Spirit of God at this time reminding the church that our thought life is a powerful thing. It's a God-designed thing. It's a part of the original design of who we were. When God made Adam and Eve, he made them with the ability to think and, they, and to reason and to process. Yet then we see the fall of man, where suddenly the mind of man is bombarded with thoughts apart from God's. Now, that's not what God designed for Adam God designed Adam to have this incredible mind that was able to process thoughts that would produce life and future. And suddenly, the other side of Eden, Adam's mind is bombarded with corruption, greed, filth, perversity. And the whole of humanity then had to learn how to manage the mind that God gave us does that make sense now I want to talk today about thoughts because thoughts are such powerful things often unnoticed things but we need to be conscious of them um, have you ever seen anybody thinking and said to them a penny for your thoughts anybody anyone old enough like me good old expression there or maybe somebody saw you thinking in a coffee shop looking out a window and said to you a penny for them Now, in reality, some thoughts are worth a penny, if that. You know, some thoughts really aren't worth a lot. It's like, shall I have curry or shall I have kebab tonight? Now, don't get me wrong, that's important, but it's not going to change the world if you get it wrong. Yet it is a thought that comes through the mind of a lot of men on a Saturday night. Now, a lot of thoughts that we have really don't change much at all, and they're really not worth more than a penny. But other thoughts are worth a lot more than a penny. Other thoughts are able to take you in directions you wouldn't have gone in. Other thoughts are able to cause you to lose everything you've built in one stupid decision. So we need to understand that some thoughts aren't worth a penny, but other thoughts are. Now, I've got five beautiful kids And it's amazing the times I remember saying to my kids when they did something stupid, what were you thinking? Now to backtrack on the philosophy of what I was actually doing in that moment, I was saying to the child, what were you thinking? What thoughts were you accommodating that created the behavior that just happened? Now I wasn't in that depth of understanding in the moment when I was telling them off. But that's the reality. We've all said to our kids, what were you thinking? Now that's the problem. A lot of the time we try to manage our behaviour and the pathways we find ourselves on where actually we're bringing management too late. We need to take a step backwards and understand it's the thoughts that we're thinking that's causing the pathways our feet are upon. And it's the thoughts that we're thinking that's determining the behavior in our tomorrow. So if we want to walk in the power of God, we've got to learn to steward the thoughts that come through our mind. So that we determine the pathways of our life And not just find ourselves on stupid pathway, stupid pathway, stupid pathway. Come on, we've all been there, right? Where you're in that moment again and you're like, oh darn, why did I do that? How did I end up here? Let me answer that. There's every good reason you've ended up where you are because of a thought that you allowed that you were thinking, but you didn't stop and think about what you were thinking about. Nobody confused yet, right? Okay. Okay. Now, thoughts are very important things. They really are. But they're unseen things, yet being unseen things don't negate that they produce powerful um, consequences. Now, there's other things that are unseen. I was thinking about other things that are unseen, yet we don't doubt the consequences. Gravity. You can't see gravity. But you know if you drop something... What goes up must come down, yet we're speaking about the consequences of something unseen. Okay, let's look at another one, breath. How many of you actually stop? Now, if you have emphysema or an asthmatic condition, then you do think about your breaths. You do. And uh, may Jesus heal that if that's you. But if you don't have emphysema or asthma or another breathing condition... You don't really walk around in life going, how many breaths was that I just did? How many breaths was that? Oh no, I just went uphill. Did I breathe more breaths? You don't think about the breaths that you're breathing, but your life would experience consequences that were severe if you didn't breathe those unseen things called breaths, right? Now thoughts are in that same category, We are all thinking thoughts continually. When you sit down to think, that's not the only time you're thinking. All right? Well, I just want to sit down for a moment, stare out the window and think. That's not when you turn your thinker on. Your thinker has been on when you didn't even realize it. And thoughts have been coming through your mind. Now... I went to Google, because apparently Google knows everything about everything. (coughs) Now, the average person, and I'm not average, I was average before I got born again. I'm no longer an average person, amen. Anybody else no longer average, right? Now, average or normal is a setting on a washing machine, it's not me, all right? Now, for an average person, apparently, according to Google, they will think 60,000 thoughts a day. Now, like the breaths we breathe, did you feel those thoughts coming and going? No, but you were thinking without thinking about it. So my question today is, what are you thinking about? Makes sense now, right? So apparently, an average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. Now, also, it says that 95% of them are repetitive which means 95% of the 60,000 thoughts, if you're average at your thinking, are the same thoughts that you are thinking over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Not when you're thinking about your thoughts, but when you're just living. Now here's another shocking thing for those who are average. For the average person, which I'm not, 75% of your thoughts are negative. So, according to Google, we all have about sixty thousand thoughts a day, and seven or ninety-five percent of them are repetitive—the same old thoughts going over and over. And for somebody that's not born again, blood washed, spirit filled, new creation, seventy-five percent of those thoughts are negative now I believe when we're born again God takes us from being negative to being positive but now the thoughts that come through our mind may contain a percentage of negative but not 75 percent because we know our lives are in his hands our futures and our days are written by him that when we're walking through storms God's with us we're not alone so we shouldn't be thinking any longer 75 percent negative right Now, thoughts are important because they have an effect on the next of your life. What you do next will be relevant to the thought that you're currently thinking. Employment, marriage, family, dinner, lunch, dessert, bedtime. What you do next is related to the thought that you think. How you respond next to someone or something is about the thought you're thinking. Whether you choose forgiveness, that's a thought. Or offense. That's a thought. Now you can't stop people being stupid, right? But you are in control of the responses to the stupid things they do to you. But what you do in your response will be according to the thought you're thinking about what's happening in the moment. I've not lost anyone, right? Now the next direction you're going to take in life will be related to your dominant thoughts, It really will. Now, some thoughts are worth a penny, some aren't. But certain thoughts, especially when we look at things like addiction, are what we would call dominant thoughts. Now, when you look at the life of somebody that experiences addiction, they just don't end up in the off-licence or with the drug dealer. That journey that took them to that place started with a thought, I want a drink, I want a high. And the thought, Became a dominant driver in their day. And if it, somebody's thinking, I need a drink, you could almost guarantee by the end of the day they will be in a bar. All right? But it wasn't the action, it was the thought that propelled the action. Now, I'm laying a platform because God wants to be the Lord of your thought life, God wants you to be able to manage. the the circumstances or the consequences of your life by taking notice more than what you have before of the thoughts you're thinking. Now thoughts, they determine your next, but they also carry the future potential of things. They really do, both good and bad. So you could have a person working in a company, he's worked there his whole life, and all of a sudden he has a thought of invention or innovation. And all of a sudden, a thought comes, and he thinks, well, the company has always done it this way, but I've had a thought of how we can do it differently. And he dares to step out on the thought that he's having of innovation, and all of a sudden, the company goes from being a corner street company to being something that's a multi-million pound in its essence. What took the company from corner corner store to great multi-million pound company, a thought a person had. See, what took um, Solomon to a place of being the wisest man that ever walked the earth was suddenly his ear was open to thoughts that were coming from God, all right? When he said, Lord, give me an understanding heart, he also prayed in that moment, give me an ear that hears you. Now, um, courage is a thought. You could have a person that's broken down. They've been beaten by life. The storms have been severe and they feel like quitting, which is a thought. Shall I quit? But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in with a thought. Don't quit. Carry on. God's going to turn this around. Don't leave the game yet. The black ball hasn't gone down in this game of pool. The game is still on and the fat woman hasn't sung yet. And so a thought comes that suddenly you choose, I'm not going to quit anymore. I'm going to carry on. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm not sure when he's going to do it. But I've got a thought in my heart that says I'm not giving up. So there's good things, but there's also negative things. Like I said, offense will separate you from people that you weren't meant to be separated from. But offense is an action of a thought that you had when you were offended. Now, we've got to learn that when a thought comes in like a fence, it's coming to separate us. And the Bible says that he who isolates himself is not wise and seeks his own. But we all have the potential to get offended, right? If you don't think that's true, come to my church. Apparently, I'm highly offensive. (laughs) But I'm raising a people to live with unoffended hearts. Because you can be offended by everything or live with an unoffended heart. And the difference is how you choose to process a thought that could be offence or forgiveness. Now, deception is a thought. Now, every one of us have the ability to be deceived, but deception doesn't come with a big box with deception written on it. It's the smallest of thoughts, but it carries the greatest of ruins. Great marriages are destroyed by one deceptive thought. People walk away from godly inheritance because of one thought. Now, I'm just trying to give some power to thought so that we can take responsibility for them, all right? Now, the reality is everything normally starts with a thought. When I look at my own life, I look at the greatest successes of my life through the grace of God, and I understand they started with a thought. But at the same moment, I look at the dumbest things I've ever done. Anyone else? I mean, we're talking top-shelf stupid. And I'm like, it started with a thought. Not a kiss, a thought. It started with a thought. And I'm amazed that at one time in my life, I can be doing incredibly amazing things that glorify God in one section of my life and being really stupid in another. And it's all about thoughts. Now, you know, recently we celebrated... um, 30 years of being married me and my wife and some of you guys we're just getting started I get that but for me it was a big thing 30 years of marriage gonna celebrate it and I'm like where do, what do I do to earn some points for Gina here I mean 30 years she, the girl's put up with a lot and I thought oh we could go here we could go and all of a sudden the thought came in because Gina loves to teach the Old Testament and it was take her to Israel for four nights and that thought came in and all of a sudden, I allowed it to germinate. And all of a sudden, I'm online finding flights, booking hotels. This wasn't a Holy Land tour. This was an Andy Makes It Up As He Goes Along tour. They're a lot more fun. You end up in places you never would have ended up. And so back in, on our anniversary, which was the 21st of August, I got her on a plane. She woke up the next morning... Um, Uh, 600 yards from the garden tomb and that night saw the sunset on the Mount of Olives. I have got like four years points for this. (laughs) (gasps) Easy. Now when I was standing there on the Mount of Olives thinking, Adrian, we did it. It was like a rocky moment. I remember that that whole thing happened because of a singular thought that came in that was a great idea family church now has got thousands of people involved in it we touch the world we've got multiple congregations but i can remember where family church started i was driving down the m27 in a white Vauxhall cavalier i was an evangelist without any intention of planting a church or being apostolic and all of a sudden driving down the road a thought came in through the window God wants you to start a church in Portsmouth. I could have brushed it off and said, don't be silly. I've seen pastors, it's not fun. Evangelists have fun. Pastors, you know, it can be a bit rougher than being an evangelist where you turn up, blow up, breeze on and leave all the problems behind. But I allowed that thought to germinate. And 25 years ago, we started family church. Now we've got multiple congregations. We're reaching the world. We've planted in the Philippines. Our youth are breaking out. It's a great oak tree, but the oak tree started with the tiniest of thoughts. The great things in your life can start with a single thought. That's why we need to be conscious of them. Now, the Bible gives us some great examples here, doesn't it? Um, Such a selection. You've got David, and all of these people give us the negative and the positive experience of a thought. You've got David, and you've got that moment with Bathsheba, stupid thought. He should have been at war. It was a time when kings were at war. He's on the roof. He overlooks the roof and sees a UFO, an undressed feminine object. Right there. And uh, <clears throat> he probably had the thought, I think I better leave right now. He probably had the thought, I think I better leave right now before this goes any further. But he also had the thought, Yummy, yummy, daddy want that. So he went with the yummy thought, and the consequence was he committed adultery, produced a child that died, and had an innocent husband put to death. It started with a thought. Can you see how powerful thoughts are? But the good news of David, when Nathan comes and said, let me tell you what's really going on here, David realises what he's done. And the thought he has is, I've got to go and kneel before God and get his mercy. And that thought that David had, repositioned him in God's intentions and plans for his life negative positive then you look at Naaman Naaman right he's got leprosy you read about Naaman if you're making notes he's in second kings five and Naaman's got leprosy he is dying on his feet he is rotting it's not a headache it's he's dying his bits are falling off of him And all of a sudden, the thought comes from heaven through the prophet. It's simple. Just get yourself in the Jordan. Dunk yourself seven times like a hobnob in a cup of tea. Just get in there. Get in there. Dunk yourself like a cookie in a brew. And you'll be healed. There's the thought. All he needed to do was do that. It was simple. He makes it difficult because of a pride-based thought. Don't you know who I am? He's just been given the, 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 the prescription for a miracle. Get yourself in the ocean, dunk yourself like a cookie in a cup of coffee or tea, and get yourself healed. Don't you know who I am? There's cleaner rivers. He actually says, let, let the guy come and swing his coat like Benny Hinn over me. I'm going to do that. He says that. Well, not about Benny Hinn, but about the principle. And the thought he was thinking may have left him feeling good about himself, but he was still dying. Then all of a sudden he hears the servant and the servant says stop respectfully sir, stop being an idiot, get in the water, dunk yourself like a biscuit. So he changes his thought of offence and pride for a thought of obedience. And all of a sudden everything God promised he said he would do, he would do. You've got the prodigal child. His journey starts with a thought. He's got everything he's in, the place he needs to be, he wants for nothing. A thought comes into his world, you're missing out, your friends are having more fun, the grass is greener, the other side. A thought, unseen like a breath. That thought germinates and takes him on a journey of separation that ends up with him in a pigsty, thinking, what have I done? I need to go home. Then the Bible says he comes to his senses. What is it to come to your senses to have another thought? And this thought said, humble yourself, go home. So that thought germinated, got him out of the pigsty, he came home, and he was reinstituted, celebrated, and took his place back in the family. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, good thoughts, bad thoughts. If you're making bad decisions right now because of bad thoughts you've had, that's okay, we've all done it. Start to make better thoughts, godly thoughts. Everybody still with me? Now, you need to be careful what thoughts you allow to germinate. Here's a great expression that you've all probably heard before. Um, You can't stop the birds flying around your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Now, if you're bold, I don't want to exclude you. Don't be offended that I mentioned hair. The principle still remains true. If you're follically challenged... I'm not out to ruin your life. Okay, don't choose offense. No, 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 no. Choose forgiveness, all right? The principle remains, you can't stop the birds flying around your head, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. Now, the way that you stop thoughts making a nest or germinating and producing things you don't need or you don't want Sometimes for me, it's just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anyone else? I kept making the same stupid mistakes until one day I had a thought. I'm so sick of making that stupid mistake. And that thought propelled me to a different tomorrow. Now, it starts by becoming aware of the thoughts you think and allow or agree with. And it's taking time to think about what you're thinking. Now, I'm not talking about mental ascent or... Um, so disappearing into yourself, you go into your belly button and explode into a black hole or resemble a croissant of self-examination. I'm not going to that level. I'm saying take time to think about what you're thinking and where the thoughts that you're thinking or allowing to germinate have brought you or could take you. So, okay, some of you are thinking, who is this guy? He's not read the Bible yet. Give me time, I'm about to read it now. So again, if you had a thought of unforgiveness, because I've not read the Bible yet, let it go, let it go. La 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 la, let it go. Because here we are. The Bible says quite a few things about our thought life. Two key things. We need to know how to take thoughts captive. We need to know it's our responsibility to take thoughts captive, not to allow every thought to germinate. Okay, let me read to you from Second Corinthians. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. <clears throat> the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds are most often in your mind and the fruit of the thoughts you've thought. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Those aren't just arguments outside of our life, but they're often arguments within our own heads. It says that we take, um, we demolish arguments, not just outside of us, but inside our minds. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. So what is he talking about here? He's saying you have thoughts coming through your life, 60,000 according to Google. You need to know how to take some of those thoughts that are not kingdom thoughts, God thoughts, good thoughts, grab them, bring them into captivity, and say you are not going to determine my next. I make you submit to Christ in his word. I make you. That's you doing it, not the pastor, not the guy on YouTube. You managing the thoughts that are coming through. So we need to be people that aren't scared that when the bird's flying around our head trying to land, and it's a thought that could could end in a divorce, impurity, a relationship that's wrong. We say no, no, stop a moment. I take that thought captive. You are a prisoner. You will not germinate in my life. I bring you and I force you to bow the knee to what God says or his thought for that area. Now again, we could talk about that all day, but we also need to mention the renewal of the mind. But in Romans 12 2, and I know your pastors would have taught you well about this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Rather be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're committed to taking thoughts captive and not just ignoring thoughts and pretending they're not happening, just like breaths, but also to renew in the mind about being more proactive with our thought life, knowing the power contained in specific thoughts. And this is an ongoing thought or commitment to thought replacement. It really is. The renewal of your mind is you may have been garbage in, garbage out. Now you choose truth in, truth out. And when garbage is coming in, you take that thought captive and you exchange it for truth. This is the thought that doesn't agree with God. Let me trample that thought down and say, no, 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 no. Open the word of God, get the thought that's a replacement and allow my mind to be renewed. Now, we've all heard this spoken of, but to me, one of the best comparisons is that of a second-hand laptop or Chromebook. Well, not so much a Chromebook, a laptop. But when you buy a laptop second-hand, you have a wonderful bit of kit, but it's still got the information of the previous owner on it. So the hard drive holds data of the previous owner. Remember, we are now a new creation. We were once an old creation. We are now a new creation joined to the nature of God. We were once an old creation joined to the nature of Satan. Now, God doesn't wipe our mind when we're born again. He starts us on a journey of mind renewal, which means there may be times in your life where you're thinking thoughts you used to think as, a new, as an old creation, but all of a sudden you go, wait, wait a moment, that's previous information. Delete, 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 delete. Let me replace that previous information or data with truth. That's the journey which is a lifetime journey of the renewing of the mind. Understanding that your computer is brand new but it's hard drive is being renewed. But now you belong to God. Everybody with me? Now, it's about being proactive. That means it's good for us to have, now I've got certain speech problems, so I don't know how this is going to come out, a thought filter. Now I know I should say thought, but when if I say thought, I'm going to say thought filter. So just hear what I'm saying, all right? I'm a messed up person just like anybody else, all right? Thought, that's Portsmouth for what you think, all right? A thought but we need, for some reason, I can't put thought and filter together. They just mess each other up. I mean, I've tried. I do. I really try. It's like, okay, it's thought. But then I go to say filter, and it comes out filter. And, and I end up, yeah, so let's just, everybody understands what I'm saying, right? It's good for us to have a thought filter. All right? I don't know how we ended up in that explanation there, but we did. Now, Paul encourages us about having a thought filter. And he says, be choosy what you allow yourself to think, have a comparison chart that enables you to see things as they are. Let me read that to you in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such Things. So Paul enables us to have a thought filter. Hey, I did it. There you go. Cool. Surely the Lord is in this place. He enables us to have this filter that when a thought comes in our mind, we're able to say, Is that pure? Is that holy? Is that praiseworthy? Is it admirable? Is it kind? Is it something that we could. No. Then I take that thought captive and I make it submit to the corresponding thought of God that's good, kind, holy, pure and nice. Now, this isn't something you're going to do by faith. It's something you have to be committed to. All right. I like the way the message puts that. Summing it all up, friends, I'll say You'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Now, I love that statement that we've sung at Christmas times. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God. Now, that's a, that's a beautiful psalm, but we need to understand that the words of our mouth will be directly related to the meditations of our heart. So when we correct the meditations of our heart, our thought life will instantly correct the words of our mouth. There's a little extra for you. So this leads us to this key question. Where are we positioning ourselves to source our thoughts? All right? 60,000. What are we exposing our life and our minds to in this fallen, broken world to source the thoughts that we're allowing in our head to determine which ones we're going to let germinate? Now, we're in this media-driven age where people, I don't know how many people don't get run over. You see them on the street, like, they're just like, it's it's amazing. Especially young people, it's like, Listening to songs, influencers, what do influencers do? Influence. How do they influence? They sell thoughts. We need to understand that we live in this incredible media age where there's a good to all the media, but also there's a big bad. We were talking about the apple glasses that they've invented right now. These glasses you can put on that basically give you a wall as if you're in a whole new life. Now, if that's you using it to go to Israel on a tour, that's brilliant. But imagine if you used that to go somewhere that you shouldn't. So we need to realize we're in a fallen world, and we need to be proactive but also protective of where we position ourselves and the thoughts that are sown in those places. Media, Netflix. I've got Netflix. I'm not anti-Netflix. I'm not saying, here we are again, throw a, throw a tablecloth over your TV. I'm I'm not there. I've got Netflix, I've got Amazon Prime, I've got TV, I've got a phone, but I've also now got more sense than I've ever had before to make sure I turn off what I don't need to hear, I silence what I don't need to watch, I take responsibility for the places that are trying to source the thoughts that determine my tomorrows. And boy, Holy Spirit will help you with that, I'll let you know that. But also the thoughts of people's opinions, what they think of you. You see, the reason that Gideon was trapped in a wine press thinking he was a coward when he was actually a warrior was he was subject to the winepress of his own thoughts and the thoughts of others. What if you shouldn't be in the wine press that you're in because you're a warrior? Unless you get yourself out of the opinion of others and the opinions of yourself that don't agree with God, you will die in a winepress when you were meant to be a warrior. Here, okay. Let's try and bring us in for a landing. We need to make sure that we protect ourselves from thoughts and the exposure of thoughts that we can protect ourselves from, but also, on the other hand, that we're exposing ourselves to God thoughts. To God thoughts. Why? Because His thoughts are higher, His ways are better. Now, this verse preaches mental ascent in 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 all of its glory. Listen. For my thoughts, Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is Old Testament prophet, all right? Now we have the mind of Christ, all right? But he's saying, my thoughts, God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now for a big chunk of my Christian life, I thought that was a belittling statement where God was putting me in my place I thought God was saying Andy me up here all glorious throned in glory know everything a higher than you bigger than you okay let's now talk about you you're a pleb you're down here your thoughts are tiny. Your thoughts are pathetic. Me, up here, high thoughts, big thoughts, great thoughts. You down there, struggling in the dinghy of existence, thinking just stupid small thoughts. And I thought it was God saying, right, know who you are, know who I am. Then all of a sudden, I heard it preach one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's not a belittling statement. It's an invitation. It's God saying, come up and join me. Come up and join me. Don't stay in small thinking. Come up and join me. Have mental ascent to higher thinking that comes from God. It's good, isn't it? So I suppose our final question today is how do we access his thoughts? God wants our thoughts to be his thoughts, his thoughts to be our thoughts. God wants to renew our mind. How do we access his thoughts? Okay, number one, externally... It's through living in the Word. I've got nothing new for you today. Read your Bible. Come on, let's get the church ready for the rapture. Let, let's be people who are preaching, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get rid of every spot. Get rid of every wrinkle. Come on, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Don't read it on Sundays. Don't read it religiously. Read your Bible. Because the Bible is the record of God's thoughts about everything. So when you're reading the word, even when you don't feel it's happening, we don't live by feelings, we live by faith, the thoughts of God are coming into the hard drive of your life and those thoughts will cause what you do next. But then I also love the ministry of his spirit, don't you? That we have the word of God outside of us, but we have the spirit of God now present within us. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church? Do you not know that your life is now the temple of the Holy Spirit? As God's presence was in the tent of meeting, so he is now present in you. Now, just stay with me for a moment. Now, I know this is a Pentecostal church. I have no doubt about that. We need to realize we're a spirit-filled people. Now, being a spirit-filled people means that the Spirit of God is now filling your life. What's the spirit of a person? Many things. But one of the key things is the spirit of a person is the mind of a person. If my spirit was in you, my mind would be available to you. My thoughts could be your thoughts. Whoa, 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 wait a moment. We've got God's thoughts outside of us in his word. It needs to move from Logos to Rhema. Holy Spirit makes that happen. But also today right now i've got the holy spirit living in me and the holy spirit is the spirit of the most high god and the holy spirit he knows what's heard nobody knows the heart of a person but the spirit of a person the holy spirit knows the heart of god and the ways of god he's not outside of me he's now in me and he's speaking I want to encourage you, listen for the thoughts that are not coming from your soul, but are coming from your spirit. Now we all have a soul, we all have flesh. Now when we understand the three natures, we know that there was a sin nature that was dealt with at new birth. There's a divine nature that we received when we were born again. And there's a human nature that remains. Jesus had a divine nature and a human nature. He knew how to make his human nature serve his divine nature. We all have that same journey. But in the flesh, there is no good. I love Paul's conclusion of that. He says, well, let's talk about the flesh. Let's talk about that. There's no good thing in it. Don't expect anything good. Every good thing is in your spirit. But we've got to stop trying to make the spirit do what the flesh wants and bring the flesh... With all of its corruption and wrong thinking, under subjection to the life and the word and the leading of the Spirit that's now in us. Now, this is powerful. Let me read you a verse of Scripture, and I promise we're going to kind of wind it up about now. The person without the Spirit does not or cannot accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolish, foolishness and cannot understand those thoughts because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit, give me a wave if you've got the Holy Spirit. Brilliant. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. What are judgments? Conclusions of thought conclusions of thought a judgment is when you conclude a thought the person who's filled with the spirit can make judgments about not some things or things but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments what the world or humanity says is true you don't have to be subject to that truth if it's not truth because we are now subject To the truth of God that comes from his word, let us become ever more narrow-minded about the absolute truth of his word, but also the truth of God's word, that his spirit is now speaking from within the temple of our life. Now, I love the way it finishes in verse 16. Old Testament quote, New Testament response. Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Ah, but we now have the mind of Christ. Come on, it says it, right? We now have the mind of Christ. Members of the jury, I'd like to put to you today. In all respect. But we would all do well to be conscious of the thoughts we're thinking, be silencing and replacing the thoughts that come from a fallen or a confused soul, and be listening for the thoughts of God in his word, but also in the leading of his spirit within us. So in conclusion, I'm... Um, Saying, don't just accept every thought you think. Think about what you're thinking. Where is it coming from? Where is it wanting to take you? Is it God? Is it old thinking? Do you need to replace the thought you're thinking with a better thought that's true? Do you need to take captive that thought that wants to take you somewhere that will lead in destruction, confusion, separation? If so, take that thought and say, Submit thought to what God says about that. And as you do, the life and the platform and the walk of your life will change before your eyes. Am I speaking mental assent? Yes and no. I'm not saying I validate mental assent of what you think you are, you are. What I am saying is, If you begin to allow God's thoughts to be the driving thoughts of your life, your life will ascend to a higher place of living that you never dreamed was possible. So, your homework is going to last the rest of your life. Think about what you're thinking.